guys what's up just a little quick note of housekeeping before we start this episode um this device this lovely device that i record my podcast equipment on uh, i did not come fully prepared and it did indeed died halfway did indeed die halfway through the um episode thankfully it did recover all the files everything was saved thankfully um something that i did have anxiety about the last half hour extreme anxiety about the last half of the episode but um, so if you notice an awkward pause in the episode, that's what that is. So uh, beware of that, and um, here's the episode. Enjoy. Hey, guys. I want to announce a super hot video drop from one of our show's regular guests, VIP by TOT with featuring artist Genie. And if you look closely, you might even catch a glimpse cameo from your local podcaster. So go show some love and support by giving the homie a follow and checking out this wild ride of a video in the link down below in the description. Guys, you know them. You love them. I do this at the beginning of every episode. If you don't know them by now, uh, go fuck yourself. Stutterbox Productions, uh, the backbone to many of the events that we have here in the Midwest. Are you trying to find your next spot? Because they get these guys, they can help. Hit up their Facebook page, hit up the CEO, and they can direct you any way they can. Um, they have plenty of shows lined up. They have plenty of things going on. What are you waiting for? Head over to their Facebook page, like I said today, and they can fulfill any need that you need. Any need that you need. Jesus fucking Christ. All right, guys, what's up? This is McAllister's Podcast. I'm your host, always Cole McAllister. Uh, joined today by a guest that I've had, wanted to have on for a very long time, and I'm very excited to finally have him here today. Uh, Miguel Tarang. <laughs> I already fucked it up. Tarango. I'll use the, the shitty English version. There you go. <laughs> How are you doing today, man? Like I've never heard that before. Yeah. No. <laughs> Living in Iowa. Living in Iowa, yeah. Uh, fine. Doing well. Doing well. Um, right now we're outside in the backyard, so... Hell yeah. I was just telling you before, uh, this is the first time we've done an outdoor setup in a while. You have a beautiful home. I, I appreciate you inviting me over and uh, yeah. doing this, man. And this is probably one of the, if not the last good day <laughs> of the month, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's enjoy the sun while we can. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's crazy we get in this November. Uh, let me just ask you first, uh, for those who don't yeah. know about you, uh, what's your general background? What do you do? And uh, yeah, get into it. Well, um, Coleman and I know each other uh, from uh, uh, Des Moines Area Community College, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the acronym being, um, or DMAC, as we call it in <clears throat> Iowa or Des Moines. Uh, we um, have a video production program, and that's how we met, right? Um, I, I started a few years there teaching, and um, you were a, a good student, uh, did a lot of work. So You're good, best. Good right? to have you. <laughs> of course. That's why we're here. You know? <laughs> I expect great things, you know. <laughs> thousands of views hits <laughs> uh, but uh really that that's why i'm here you know is um uh, like a lot of people maybe um well moving in the last few years uh my the spouse and i took advantage of those lulls in uh in i wouldn't say work but we were working but um the fact that uh, covid had such an impact sure. you know on, on everyone's life so we had planned <clears throat> to move or actually to uh, take a sabbatical. It was already in our in our life plan to take a little um, a trip somewhere. Uh, the spouse had already planned with her job. We're going to leave the country, in fact. 
because uh, the pandemic hit and borders started closing up, really, mm. um, we had a um, pivot. <laughs> pivot. So we pivoted Midwest. And so uh, uh, the spouse took advantage, like, well, what do you think about Iowa? And I was like, well, sure. Um, I, I had a, uh, a documentary project that I was uh, editing. So I thought, well, I could do with some quiet time in the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and um, so we came out here, and uh, we actually literally were in the middle of nowhere in State Center. So uh, I know Iowans don't even know about State Center sometimes, <laughs> but uh, just like the name, that's where it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. A uh, bunch of cornfields, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It, it was fine. Um, we took a lot of walks in the country. Um, I was I would run around in cornfields, and I'd call my buddies, show them video, and we would you know, be like, check this out. It's great. You know, um, at the time, it was still... Uh, for us, a temporary move. All sure. my all my friends, um, we were uh, at the time uh, in California, but friends out there were like, "You're not coming back." I'm like, "No, I am. I am. I am." <laughs> um, and they were right. <laughs> yeah. So, and and really, uh, that's that's where we're that's why we're here um, uh, because of that. And uh, my the wife and I both found jobs, and um, we're like, "Well, let's take advantage." And again, another pivot yet again because the plan was to head back to California. Mm-hmm. after the uh, six months to a year of sabbatical time and um didn't work out or that didn't happen so we stayed and um luckily we had sold our house already we had our most of our stuff mm. in storage good, we brought good. half of it uh which was in a rental home but um you know um it made it easy um and the we were lucky with this property that we're in now we knew we had to find a place quickly you know, so within a few months, we found the place, put an offer, and got it. And we we're like, well, I mean, this checks off most of the things that we want. It was uh, definitely more on the expensive end where we were like mm-hmm. trying, like, that's our high end. We thought, well, this is our, this could be a forever home. Let's go for it. We're, you know, we talked about it and we said, let's just put an offer that makes us feel good. And it hit. And we're like, you know, both of us were sort of like, well, we didn't expect that, but okay. <laughs> And uh, both of us are, you know, after a few months of being completely overwhelmed by the size of the property and where we are and just Iowa in general. But, uh, you know, people are nice and uh, the job's been great. You know, I get to meet people like you. And, Hell yeah. Um, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been enjoyable. I mean, it's, um, my job is, you know, showing or talking about movies all day, how to make video, edit, you know, how to do all that, how to, you know, shoot, be, and then being experimental too. You know, that's kind of the fun part for me. And, um, because of this line of work, I get to learn about this stuff too. And that's the job, you know, learn the new thing. And, and this semester, the big thing has been DaVinci Resolve, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, uh, oh, yeah. um, you know, um, you know, that, that's kind of how I got here is really the spouse cause she was from here. And, uh, I just had interest in movies since I was a kid. The first movie I saw was Star Wars, you know, <laughs> literally awesome. was Star Wars, that's um, awesome. 19, uh, I saw it in 78 though, mm. um, in Chihuahua. So I, I saw already the re-release. So I, I never saw the original unfiltered version. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time Lucas went back and added subtitles for international releases, he'd already dinked with it. Damn, I believe I he that. I believe he added the New Hope episode four on the re-release. Oh, so that was a year a year after the first one did not have that. It was just Star Wars, Time of Civil War, that thing, and uh, I think on the second or the international releases were the first time he actually went in. So he's been messing with these for a long time. Damn. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What's, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that, uh, 
like I, I guess how do you look at it when directors kind of like take their pieces and like you know spend all this time kind of remastering it redoing right. it whatever versus kind of doing new projects doing new things i don't know what's your opinion on that you know um i think you, a lot of it can be steeped in our discussions that we have even in class you know a lot of uh <laughs> these uh decisions unfortunately are based on finance you know sure. and sure and uh it, it's from 1987, Spaceballs, it's the joke, you know, the search for more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, for Lucas, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> his whole MO with the with his franchise was toys, you know, and that's mm. where he made his billions, really, and, and a brilliant mm. marketing scheme. Um, so it was very successful at what it set out to do, as we talk, you know. Um, so the, they're almost foolish not to do what they do. And for him, it's it's also a way to, um, as we look at copyright laws and, and how the rights to a, um, a certain uh, property or um, a franchise, the, the way that th those laws are written, when you produce work in that universe, depending on your contract, you sort of, uh, um, it starts that clock over for mm. your ownership, which is sort of the, if you follow the whole saga with... Um, uh, Sony and the X-Men and all that. Um, sure. That's why uh, with, with Spider-Man, you know, they owned it, which is why they kept making the movies the way they did. Um, whether they were good or not, again, <laughs> it's another issue. But sure. they made the movies, uh, they made enough of a profit, and they knew, you know, they knew they had something. Even if, you know, Fantastic Four were terrible movies, all of them, right? They still kept making them. They made money. Yeah. Now they're in a position where, well, Marvel wants to bring everything together, so they're like, it's sort of like holding on to a certain you know dot com website name because exactly. it's you know i know that um you know the the best podcast dot com whatever you know someone's <laughs> yeah. gonna you know i'm waiting for joe rogan to buy that from me or something you know and and they know that's five million bucks on instantly so you know sony has made a good money just on making crap movies and and we find that a lot of um like what hollywood's doing you know it's scrupulously based on finance yeah why they canceled Batgirl, that kind of thing, you know. It's um, They decided that not releasing it, taking it as a loss, as a business decision to get a tax refund was better than actually releasing it. And people were saying, this movie's not terrible, but uh, for them it made more money financially. So unfortunately, a lot of it is driven by finance, you know, and, and, and that's where you feel a little, you know, disappointed. Um, sure. and, and, some, and the results sometimes speak for themselves or you know they're not very good um the apocalypse now one is interesting you know because uh there was so much footage but uh as we saw i, I think we saw the mm -hmm. documentaries in yep. class and we even see coppola admitting certain scenes i was never happy we put a lot of time into it but it just didn't work like the whole mm -hmm. french plantation scene i think is the famous one and he talks about like it just never quite hit the way he wanted to mm. cut it out and then we see Redo in early 2000, and it's back in. So, <laughs> who knows? And then John Milius, so his uh, his writer on on the project, you know, kind of let the cat out of the bag. That was a cash grab. <laughs> and he, he like literally said, "Yeah, I think we released it for money, honestly." And 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 then Coppola went yeah. back yet again and did the final cut. So he even recut Apocalypse now three times or whatnot. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. he's another little tinkerer, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the only ones that really were um, satisfying would be uh, Blade Runner. That's one of the few that, mm. okay, actually this one did work. Yeah. You yeah, know, it was a better movie when it 
Like that final cut was a better movie. Yeah, I feel the final like. cut. Yeah, they they went back and fixed things digitally mm-hmm. in really interesting ways that were not meant <clears throat> to call attention to themselves, which was great. If anything, it blended it better yeah. into the film <clears throat> and integrated into the universe and world. Where the Star Wars movies were, I mean, they're so when you had a movie that focused more on on practical effects and models, to add the visual effects, the CGI just looked wrong in the movie from the seventies. It just yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, and uh, that's one of the things that I, you know, people kind of bash CGI and they'll say like, oh, I, like, you know, I'm personally not a fan of the Marvel and DC movies. I think they really overdo it. But like, you look at someone like David Fincher, right, who just uses kind of just a little bit and just kind of gives it that effect. Like, I do think um, there's value in that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that uh, kind of going back to this like that, I, I, you know, I learned to appreciate, you know, taking your classes like the the money aspect to film because like even if a film isn't necessarily the greatest of all time or whatever like i think if you can turn a profit like that means something right like strictly from a business perspective like you create a product and it you know it did better exponentially and you know that that's an achievement in itself i feel like so i feel like you know i feel like a lot of people before understanding get film and getting into film they kind of have that prudish like oh well this didn't have blah 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 you know it but when you figure out you know how you know like what we did in class you know how i directed projects and you know did that whole thing you realize like oh there are so many different pieces in this like it's amazing that they even made anything at all you know yeah truly truly yeah it's so much so hard so much that we do in our industry you know um i I tell you guys you know that first couple weeks this is the hardest thing you'll ever do Mm -hmm. you know uh, especially because it it, we really do incorporate all the arts you know we are ever all the arts together from painting to music i agree i agree i uh uh, people have called me a prude for this, but I always consider, have considered film the superior uh, art <laughs> medium. Because, yes, you're right. I mean, it really does bring in every single aspect of um, any kind of artistic venture that, you know, although, you know, by itself on face value can still be good. I just, you know, it can just be so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, has the poten- it's, it's kind of interesting. It has the potential to be better. Also, the te- potential would be <laughs> 10 times worse, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, how do you, like, let me ask you this kind of going back to like, you know, moving to Iowa and stuff. Like, uh, sure. how do you, like, do you, I mean, I'm sure there are parts of California that you miss, but I mean, I guess just compare and contrast, like, um, you know, Iowa, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's no Hollywood by any means, but I do think that things are picking up and growing here very mm-hmm. slowly. Um, I don't know. I guess what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I think, uh, my perspective would be unique in that, uh, you know, I, I've traveled a little bit, you know, I mean, sure. I was born in another country, you know, I was born in Mexico. So, and I spent my first few years there. My first thing, my language was Spanish and uh, learned English in a um, Head Start program in Texas. Grew up in Texas, even lived a few years in Michigan as a kid, you know, and nice. that would have been um, through, you know, again, everything in Star Wars through Return of the Jedi <laughs> <laughs> and then moved back to Texas and kind of spent the formative years through high school there. Um, and then Colorado, you know, so really having this conversation about other places, um, the place that I, I miss the most is probably still Colorado. You know, okay. I spent about 11 years or so in Denver and mm-hmm. yeah, great city. And and uh, when I first went, you know, my thoughts there were I never really heard anyone say anything bad about denver it's like Mm. yeah it's all right everyone kind of had a you know good feeling or good um you know uh, experience or um you know when when they went to visit they they always had a good time and yeah uh, people always seem to say uh, positive things about it so for me 
moving out here, seeing the neighborhoods, uh, meeting the people, it reminded me a little bit more of Colorado. Nice. You know, these neighborhoods here uh, remind me of some of my favorite neighborhoods uh, out in the city. Um, uh, those of you who know Denver, you know, Baker neighborhood um, out in um, I spent a lot of time in Cheeseman Park and City Park area, um, which is by Colfax Street and Josephine and University, which is uh, the fun parts. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of music. I mean, it's by Colfax Ave, which is the longest commercial street in the United States. But lots of fun bars, lots of great restaurants and like four live music venues that are, you know, any anything from Wu-Tang um, <laughs> Battles to the National, the Pixies. I mean, that's awesome. I, I even saw Rufus Wainwright, you know, the... Uh, troubadour or a pianist you know um he played a show at the ogden theater you know so i mean it's it was a fantastic um experience there you just walk down the street and whatever's playing you just walk into you know and it, that's the part that's what i really missed um and denver still is my favorite city in terms of the places i've lived um sure because you could just walk, you know, I mean, I lived a block and a half from the SIE Film Center, which is where they have the Denver Film Society and, and mm. their film festival in, in the fall oh, nice. every year. And I spent a lot of time there and did some collaborations with them. Um, that's also in Denver where I opened my first business um, and met a lot of great people, you know, great art scene. Um, it's, Denver had one of the biggest art scenes that grew organically. You know, that had some support from the city, but I mean, man, their first Friday on Santa Fe Street packed. I mean, 20, 30,000 people sometimes, you know. It was, wow. And now I hear it's kind of nuts. And, and this was before legalization and all those things, yeah, but yeah, before yeah. there was a huge rush of people there. I mean, this is all like 06, 07, 08, oh, wow. 09, okay. way back when, you know, and that's kind of when I was there, you know. I moved in 2014. Okay. So I was, um, even when I was there, it was already like, this place is already feeling crowded. Mm. And we were in 2014, we were like, I, I think, oh man, we got to make a change somewhere. But Yeah, that is kind of the <clears throat> scary reality about like, you know, as Des Moines grows, yep. that also yep. happens, right? That's what's going to happen. You saw it with Colorado, you see it with Texas, right? Like Austin and all that, you know? Like yeah, it Austin's just, a great city. Yeah. Great city. I, I mean, the summers are terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what kept me away from Central Texas and Austin specifically. It's just oh, it's miserable in August and September. Um, I got cousins down there now, and yeah, it's it's like uh, enjoying that heat, and they're like, yeah, no yeah. one go, no one goes out. It's pretty bad. Everybody's house is a freezer. Yeah, yeah, it's AC, AC, AC. It's basically that's the that's a joke, right? You go from yeah. one one AC to another, <laughs> you know. And and the way California is different from all that is. Well, California is a world city. It's a world economy, you know, mm. fifth, sixth largest economy in the world. Um, sure. All our f produce really comes from California, you know. Um, and it, what's great about it, too, is the um, multicultural aspect. You know, there's, it's just, uh, there's a, people there are, you know, it's, it's a great mix of people, just all kinds, mm. you know, and, and you see it in everybody. And um, that, those are the things that I do miss. Of course, L.A., um, first-rate art scene, Hollywood, um, and then all, all of the entertainment stuff. But the things that you don't know about or be like, you know, or lesser known, uh, Big Bear with Lake Arrowhead, um, or down south in Temecula with Wine Country, you know, in Southern California, um, and then headed east towards uh, Joshua Tree, you know, in Palm Springs. Those are our favorite things really to do um, oh, yeah. that, that were a little bit different. And um, like Palm Springs and that whole area, um, if you're into it, that was the birth of sort of that desert rock. So Caius and Queens of the Stone Age and the the generator party. So they would go out there and like find a 
dead part of the desert, bring out a gas generator and just, you know, just, you know, kill, you know, rocks of metal. Just, oh yeah. And that's what it was. People out there partying, doing drugs, doing their thing, psychedelics. <laughs> I mean, that truly was that. And it's still going. It's People are still doing sure. weird stuff out there and it's super cool, super fun. You that's know? awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, so you mentioned uh, previously you owned a business. Uh, mm. As someone, you know, I have a podcast. I would, you know, eventually, I consider, you know, it's not necessarily the most profitable, but I do consider it a business. It's, a, it's entrepreneurial. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, what did that teach you about, you know, both life and, you know, the world around you, like uh, owning a business and going through that mm. whole process? Oh, I, li- I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> nice. Because um, that is what you do. You kind of learn a lot about yourself, you know. Um, you learn that uh, success has many faces fa- yeah. and failure has many faces too, but... Mm. Sometimes success is uh, you're able to open your doors every day, you know, and uh, our business um, was a storefront in downtown Denver. You know, um, if you go, I think you could still see our sign out there, although the our business did close last year. Um, when I left in 2014, I um, my partner and I, we had our an amicable business divorce, but we, were, <laughs> we had a good one. Yeah. And um, I basically sold her my half and um when i left california and uh she kept it running for another four or five years and um or i I should say seven and eventually um sold it to uh, another company and now she's doing independent consultation but we were right next to the winku brewery across from union station Mm. so we were in a really great spot and when we opened it was 2009 um the recession original um um the mortgage recession from california was in was running rampant at the time Mm. and uh i knew some people questioned you know our you're opening a business now it's like the worst time like it's like man i know but um i was quitting apple that's that was me you know i was was leaving apple and i was i gotta get you know gotta get out of here and um it's sort of like well i can't work in this place anymore i had already started my process to leave and um, yeah, and you think about it all the time, like, man, I, I'm leaving a, you know, big company with, and that was a full-time job, benefits, all that stuff, and um, you think, man, should I do this? But I don't know, you just have a, maybe how you feel sometimes in your podcast, you sure. just, you follow your gut, you just think like, yeah. I don't know, I just, I think we should do this, and uh, we did, and, and uh, I did it for five years there. Wow. So, um, and the things that you learn are just, you know, trust your gut, um, you can, you truly can do those things you want to do uh but do them and then do them you know we uh, it was great because it really forces you to put your money where your mouth is instead of talking about it you're actually you have to do it and and in the process that's where i got my first experiences um heavily with running film festivals with um or or sponsoring uh doing workshops and uh you know running panels um because we we would uh do collaborations not always with the the main uh denver film society but in um, in March, April, there were other festivals, uh, one being the International Women's Festival, and we mm. collaborated with them quite a bit. And uh, we would do like a, a mobile film festival. So even back then, we were pushing using your phone mm. to make content. And we would do workshops because our, sh- our business um, at the time, I didn't mention it, but it was called the Mac Spa. And it was a um, Apple or Mac-centric focused business where... Uh, we would do uh, both repairs on computers, specifically Macs, but we would also do home visits and business visits. Nice. So we were doing, you know, the the kind of thing that we noticed that people wanted at 
an Apple store or another type of store like, oh, can you just come to my house and set up my network and my printer? And, they, you know, Apple didn't have a, a plan for that. Mm. The only other opportunity would be Best Buy with the Geek Squad. Yeah, I was just thinking. And um, they were, the interesting thing, you know, Geek Squad, I don't know if they, it ever fully took off at the time. You know, you would see it. But would people say you got to do the Geek Squad? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was kind of just a thing. It was a yeah. thing. No one really talked about it. So yeah. we're like, yeah, these guys are. It seems like they're missing a thing. But with us, you know, we were also um, looking at it with um, with eyes of, of, you know, we need, we want to get paid what we're worth. You mm. know, if we're doing this service, you know, we um, we can attach a certain price tag to it. And so one our sort of a, our catchphrase was elite service for you and your Mac. So mm. with that word elite, you know, we were already targeting an upper middle class clientele. Exactly. Uh, so we had we had, you know, in Denver we had athletes that were our clients, you know, professional athletes and stuff like that, you know, politicians, lawyers, finance people. So um so we would go to like nice houses all the time. Mm. Like whoa, you know, like mansions and be like, Wow, this is great and um there's a couple stories I have where, you know, visiting houses where some people were had gotten in trouble with the with the, the law. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all I'll say. But uh, and there were a few where I'm like, I feel really weird being here. So uh, I'm sorry, but I got to fire you as a client because I cannot come back here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> happened a few times, but you know. <laughs> oh my god. Um, you know, and, and of course we won't say beyond that, so no one will be able to figure out. What sure. it is. But, you know, it's uh, it was it was definitely a different game. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure as you've seen, you, when when you do your own thing and you you know you you meet people with their, their own re- with uh, unique requests, mm. you get in unique situations. You know, and we used to support people from uh, uh, Colorado Springs all the way to Estes Park. Mm. You know, which is uh, a it's that's a range out yeah. here would be like uh, I would have a client in Iowa City from Des Moines oh wow it'd be like that okay. like two hours away yeah but that's also right. driving through the mountains in <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Estes Park for those of you who may know it's The Shining that's where the Stanley Hotel is that's right yeah. that's right yep. I do want to go visit that someday that's one of my landmarks yeah we, we did a we did a couple we did a night there oh really yeah, yeah. oh wow how was it yeah you want, if you want to talk about yeah, it sure, yeah sure sure yeah so um it was, uh, I had already met my spouse, uh, the, the wife, and um, we, uh, like, we had planned, let's go to Estes Park, let's stay at the Stanley. I had a dog at the time, so uh, we just had to make sure that we could, you know, that they accommodated our animal. And um, in the main hotel, they couldn't, but they said, we have a, a side property where it's right here, right next door, you could go there, and, and don't worry, there's activity there too. It's all over. <laughs> like, well, cool, whatever, you know. Um, it's kind of fun because uh, they run The Shining on their closed circuit TV, oh. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> so I was great. initially I was thinking like, oh, maybe I can bring The Shining up on my phone or my pad and I'll show it. The, the, the wife hadn't seen it. So I was like, I, I want to scare her. You know, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, partners want to do, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, you know. And um, no, they're playing it. I'm like, even better. So we saw it. Um, she did not sleep that night. <laughs> and um, weird stuff. Weird stuff happened. No, weird wow. stuff happened. Like I, I had two. I took two cameras with me, and uh, <laughs> I had a uh, uh, camcorder, um, not unlike what you got over there, you know. And a um, and it was a Canon too, a Canon that was <laughs> recording on little SD cards. Oh, nice. And I had a um, at the time that was popular, and it was in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. There was, you know, video was still novel on phones. It wasn't really a thing uh, that you could shoot on yet. Um, but we had these cameras 
that were these inexpensive, like hundred dollar. You might have played with them as a kid. You know, they were <laughs> sure. they were called flip cams. Okay, yeah. And I had a Kodak one, and the Kodak one wouldn't record on the camera. It actually recorded also to SD cards. Okay. So I took those two cameras and was recording stuff. Well, the Kodak camera, for some reason, the the card was completely corrupt. <laughs> I could never access it. It was the only time that ever happened, too. I took that camera to China with me, too, wow. for a month. And it ran fine. I made a video, everything. I mean, no problems. I've never had any problems with that little camera, only that one time. Wow. And on the uh, Canon, I was able to pull footage off of it, and then the ca- and the card also got corrupt after that. So it was, there was some weird stuff that uh, that happened with the cameras. Um, but... Uh, the other thing was uh, they told us about some stuff that was happening in our in our room, and um, I was um, watching TV. It was about one in the morning. We were in the room, and um, or actually no, I, I fell asleep. My wife wakes up and she's like, "Do you hear that?" And I was like, uh, "It was about like, the witching hour, three four in there," and um, you know, oh my god, on the on, like above us in the seat, you know, like okay, there's a floor above us, and because we're like, okay, there's a floor above us, something's going on. It's four, three, four a.m. <laughs> you know, someone's messing around. Maybe you know, someone's probably doing a ghost hunt. <laughs> um, I asked the guy the next morning at the front desk. He was like, "Yeah, what?" I mean, he was like, the day before, he was like, "Hey, welcome," and it was the same guy, very accommodating. The second day, I don't know, someone hit his cat or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so when I ask him, you know, what's going on? He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Is there anyone above us?" No. I was like, "There's," because yeah, it's just an open area. Like, oh, okay, ghost tour or anything? Nope. Anybody above us? Oh nope. God. He goes, there's one person that was staying uh, in, in the second floor, and they were in a corner, because we were there like on a Wednesday or Thursday. So they were staying in the corner room, which was supposed to be the haunted room. Mm-hmm. And they were there, and that was the only thing. He goes, that's the only people there. And, but they're over there, and if you could hear them, I, I would doubt it, because, you know, it's hotel that way. Sure. And he goes, and he goes yeah, we heard things. Yeah, okay. Literally, just look at me. Yeah, and? But you knew this. He goes, I told you. Yeah. We know it. This happens every day, dude. <laughs> and he's like, wow. He's like, yeah, like, whoa. And then uh, and also in the two in the morning, um, I didn't mention this, but as I was watching TV, we're, I don't know if it was my head, a synapse, but I, there was my, the room flashed like a big bright light, like like a lightning. That's it was a weird, and like a ball above the TV. It was really weird. Um, I took a picture of my wife where I'm pointing up like, that was like one of the weird things that happened, hearing the sounds, um, yeah, and just you know the dog slept. She wasn't bothered. <laughs> she was a pug, so if you know pugs, they're you know they're kind of dumb. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, kind of like little chickens here, yeah. but um, <laughs> they want food. It, it was it was fun. Oh yeah, that's all they want. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> but uh, it it was a good time. But uh, yeah, that, that was it. I mean, some little things here and there. Yeah, and they know it, and they they'll they'll tell you the stories like here's what's going on in this room, here's what's going on in this room, here's what happens here. It's that place is like, yeah, there's wow. a there's a lot going on. So I would recommend it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I uh, I haven't been out to California or not California, Colorado, um, since like 2017. But mm. um, that's definitely one of the places I want to go uh, when I go back. There's um, a, and there's a few places out there. Yeah, there's yeah. a few places that have that. Like, and if you go back, go to the. Um, on Osage Street or the Osage stop on the light rail is the Buckhorn. The Buckhorn Exchange, I believe it's called. It's probably still the same name, but that's the oldest liquor license in Colorado, 1861, 23, somewhere in there. 
um, and they still have a plaque that says that. Uh, that's got it's severely haunted too. Damn. There's a, especially if you like a game, gaming meat, that kind of thing. Mm, Elk mm. sausage, you know, Ooh. it's that kind of spot. They got all kinds of. That's what they're known for. All kinds of venison, elks, etc. Um, and you go in there, and it looks like it's antlers and things everywhere. It's, I mean, you're like, whoa! It's like you're on a, in a camping lodge. Damn, Damn that's wild. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to your time at DMAC. Uh, one of the things I want to talk to you because um, since I've uh, completed your program, one of the things that mm. <clears throat> I've noticed that has really ramped up and risen risen <laughs> risen in uh the last couple months is ai mm. and i'm curious uh what are your thoughts about um both how that impacts the industry uh me as a whole and you know your job as a teacher is that something that mm-hmm. you have considered like kind of integrating into your program at all or yeah it's um it's uh ai like anything else just another tool yeah another um um you know something else that uh, we uh, you, so, you know we we should be um, at the very least aware of and and uh, uh, the sooner you get into the conversation you know the sooner you can um, consider how it'll affect industry what you're doing all mm-hmm. of those things right so uh, we've actually put that question to our advisory board you know uh, this year um, and our advisory board uh, we have from um, people from around all over Des Moines which is great because it's mostly industry people but I do have a few people from California also on there and uh, Texas so again outside perspective as well as inside and um, just hearing what they have to say too in regards to AI um, uh, this year we also started a partnership with uh, Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield you know yes. which um, uh, well we started that last year I think we prototyped it I, were you in that yeah, yeah um, right? I, I didn't do very much but I did do one event for them okay and, good yeah. so actually Sean Hicks who runs that program was uh, is one of the people who was like you know maybe you should think about AI I was like yeah and he and I had a big meeting and we had a good conversation about it um, and he's also on our board so when we had our advisory board meeting uh, with the other members you know we brought it up like what are your thoughts what do they think and uh, I think the consensus was um, like anything else it's a tool that uh, as if you embrace it you know good things can come out of this because right now I mean people are just sort of doing the jokes you know the meme stuff Um, it's also interesting because our the place where we are now our zeitgeist if you will it's it's so silly kind of where we are you know it's everything's a joke you know everything's yeah. like how can i meme this how can i create a viral moment that you know it's it's almost like we're looking for the hashtagable moment Constant, yeah. it's like but i mean that would have been 10 years ago now we're like looking for the hashtag of the hashtag of the hashtag you know the yeah. the reference yeah. to the hashtag to the meme you know that's where i mean it's 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 like it's it's kind of nuts i mean uh it's star wars as a property, and we started talking about it, but when we when people started to expand that universe out, they realized like, wow, there's really not much story here. Which is why when they when you look at Star Trek, they're like, well, Star Trek actually has more of a story, has more mm. to go because it's a much richer world and universe. Yeah. It literally is a galaxy. Yeah. While Star Wars is just kind of a small story about some people that ended, and yeah. now they're just trying to re reheat. It's like reheating Campbell's soup <laughs> instead of reheating your turkey dinner from thanksgiving you know and uh, so star wars is a campbell soup for those who don't know right uh, and star trek would be more the turkey i mean i'm not one or the other 
Sure. But um, like when you're a kid, you like Star Wars, and when you get older, you realize, yeah, actually, I'm a trek. I'm a trekker. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean the. You know, from the get-go, I mean, Star Trek is all about, you know, this is the fleet and this is our world of exploration. So, I mean, from that yeah. alone, I mean, if you think about it as like a TV series, I mean, there's an episode here, there, there, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars, I mean, yeah, it's that structure. And like anything beyond mm-hmm. that, you're going to have to make it up. You're going to have to, like at some point, it's going to deviate from the original thing, you know. Yeah. And and so because it's like, uh, you know, the reason why I brought that up because we're sort of in this memification culture of like uh, looking at memes, I mean, we're we're kind of stretching thin now. Those little those non-existing plot points. I mean, uh, the the emoji movie came and went already. You know, yeah. that already happened. <laughs> <laughs> that it's like we forget. Like, oh yeah, that was like three four years ago. That was already a thing that nobody saw. We already forgot. I mean, uh, the the Five Nights at Freddy movie is a yeah. hit. Like what? <laughs> and you try to watch it, and you're like, "This is awful." <laughs> the kids love it, you know. Yeah. And the kids, not only do they love it, they defend it. You know, like, well, yeah. you just don't know. You don't know. And I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> you know, because if you know, if anyone's played the game, you realize this is a dark story. And yeah. And you know, there, there, it's some parts of it are kind of interesting. Like sure. I played the first one, mm-hmm. and uh, but they, they after that, it's sort of the same thing, just repackaged, repackaged, repackaged. You know, over and over and over again. So AI. At, at its core um, is about prediction and it's about predicting uh, responses and about mm. predicting um, sort of your emotional response to, you know, and, and so that's why when you type into chat GPT and all those things, like here's what we're trying to, you know, I want a scenario, two characters sitting outside on a platform, having a podcast, then it writes the whole story for you. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing or what we did this semester in, in production three is uh, to get ready for some of the projects we did since we were sort of, uh, we had like two weeks where uh, we had some time. Like, let's do a project. Let's do something. Let's do some shooting. You know, we did that too in our, in our class. So what we did instead is we went to AI. Let's have AI write us a script. We got the green screen. We can make it happen because wow. we have a green screen. Right? So let's use the tool. And uh, the, the, <laughs> the script that it wrote had two characters we're in the middle of one character in dialogue with the other character. Immediately says, uh, "Dies," <laughs> or had died, <laughs> and it's revealed in the conversation. You know, they're they, they're both talking like, "Oh, how are you? I'm fine. Like, I'm having trouble at my job. Oh, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't go to my job today. How come? Oh, because I was driving in my car and I had an accident. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, but unfortunately, I didn't make it." and as we know that's what ai does it creates it's like oh so suddenly i gotta move from having a (laughs) a a standard two-shot dialogue scene with over-the-shoulder dialogue shots to oh wait now maybe this is a ouija board conversation (laughs) i don't know what's going on you know so we had to you know we had to play with it and we had we brought in some actors too and had fun with that i mean right now it's still kind of a novelty i think in terms of looking at it that way Mm -hmm. um and and the consensus for the board too. I mean, here's like shoot. I mean, talk about keeping your audience and giving you the answer <laughs> ten minutes later. Right? Um, good man. The uh, um, consensus really is if you're a one person show that does everything, and maybe you've seen this, it's going to help you optimize certain things and automate certain mm-hmm. aspects of like images or or video or audio sweetening, normalization, those kinds of things. AI does have its places in those, you know, to help us. And yeah. and we are using those tools already. That's what they do. I mean, that's what those filters are really for. That's what the, their aspects of it, Siri and uh, the Alexa, all those are, you know, 
versions of yeah. prediction and predictability, exactly. which are versions of AI. Then we've been using them for years. You know, uh, we just haven't outright said that's what they are because when you do that, people, <gasps> you know, yeah, Skynet's coming. The Matrix is coming. Skynet's coming. I mean, the sky is falling. Whatever you want to say, you know, the Martians are invading. Yeah, I mean, people forget, like you know, Premiere Pro. That's you know the caption generator. I mean, that's AI. You know, like, and then it, at one point it's this, so then people are going to freak out. Because I'm curious about what your opinion on this is, because I'm in the same camp as you. Like, I, you know, people might call me naive, but I really do think it's a tool, and I think that it can actually help a lot of people. Um, but, you know, there is a whole camp of people. You know, we had the writer's strike. We have a lot of people who are very upset about AI. Uh, I guess what's your response to when people kind of look at this and they're like, oh my god this is gonna take away jobs this is gonna devalue things like i don't know what's your response to that yeah so um that it, it is uh, i'm glad that uh of course we, you know we support that strike uh because they are looking for uh proper compensation for work by uh people that uh, you know are not on the poster basically that's what it is and you know above the line talent versus below the line talent you know most of mm-hmm. us are really below the line talent yeah in the regard that we do all the work to make them look good. You know, that's really what <laughs> we do, true. you know. So it's it's great that um, I think it's it's it was a uh, a good move to do now early in that regard. Nip it in the bud or let's have let's start this conversation before it Agreed. really gets out of hand, you know, and it and or it um, it becomes a runaway train where, well, we've already written contracts a certain way because, again, it comes back to finance. Are people getting compensated for work or likeness, um, which is sort of what we started talking about earlier? It comes back to that likeness, and uh, do I have rights to myself? If you take my picture, do I have a right to tell you? Well, I don't like how you're using my picture, but you're like, well, I took it, so I own the picture, you know. And and so that that's where the conversation can go. I mean, it's the same uh, argument we've had from painting too. You know, if, if a painter does your portrait. Who owns it? Who owns yeah. that image, you know? And you're like, well, uh, but if we remember in video and film and what we do, um, this is where I come back to this. You know, I remind myself, we're never creating reality. This is never reality. The moment you hit record and it, the first frame that's being recorded, the first audio that's being recorded, uh, the moment that's happened, reality is irrevocably changed. It's changed. I mean, and that comes from sociology and anthropology. Um, so... Um, recording something means that it's already artificial mm-hmm. so we are there we can manipulate it yes and then it comes back to the compensation who's going to get compensated for you know like said podcast you know something like this like oh I, you know Coleman I demand that McAllister Hour or whatever <laughs> gives me 10% of all net proceeds you know some uh, people no. <laughs> yeah exactly and some people say you know then I'm not doing it <laughs> Yeah. You know, and and um, and so that that that's where a that's where the converse where I always bring the conversation back to that you know to AI because you still need a human there to to guide that thing for that initial idea because AI is not coming up with any ideas at the moment. Yeah. Again, it's a tool to facilitate. You know that, and that's it's still what it is. It's not creating anything original necessarily. You have to give it prompts. You know. I, I agree. Um, I talked about this on podcast uh, a few episodes ago. I compare it to a video game almost. Mm-hmm. Like th- there is an artistic aspect to the video game, obviously, but like you know, when you're playing the video game, you didn't create the thing. Like all you're doing is 
prompting it and interacting with the world. And it's that seems similar to what AI is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And one other thing that I'm really uh, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. I'm waiting for like the legal precedents because I'm sure you've seen, you know, the, there are all these trends where like there's a rumor of a sequel and then 10 jackasses <laughs> type it into their AI and they make a poster and everybody thinks it's real, you know. I'm really wondering, like, at what point these, you know, whoever is going to come in and be like, hey, this is my property, like, how they're going to define that. It's really right. interesting. Well, if you think about uh, 10 years ago, remember uh, digital, who was it? Uh, digital Tupac, digital Michael Jackson, the holograms? Oh, yes, I do remember that, yeah. So it's already happened. Mm. So if you think about likeness and... Uh, we forget so quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember that, you know, it already happened, and uh, um, people were already like, "Yeah, but that was." I, I guess it's okay. I, I guess you know, did uh, did uh, Michael Jackson's family sign off on that? Did Tupac's <laughs> family sign off on that? And you're like, probably not, you know, because <laughs> it it happened at what uh, the Super Bowl or Coachella? Uh, I think it was something Coachella. Like that. Yeah, yeah, Coachella. That sounds right. It's like, yeah, that was a ton of money. <laughs> of course, they're gonna pull off some jackassery like that and and they did you know and and at the same time you know when you do that um if we look at it as an artist we want to we would want to do that just is this going to work are people going to react to it if you look at it as a business or a finance person you're like well i'm I'm doing this because people are going to pay to go see that yeah you know um and we're we're more interested in like how are people going to respond to it um, so it's it's almost like two different you know two different ways to consider or look at it. Like, are we looking at it for like, wow, can we really do some interesting work and manipulate things and still have those yeah. great experiences like we would on a human led production? While again, finance people, did I do? It? That's weird. No, you're good. You're good. And while finance people will look at it more like, ooh, dollar signs. I can put Michael Jackson in anything now. I can put <laughs> yeah. Tupac. I mean, I mean, those are the rumors, right? Tupac's living somewhere in Aruba or something, right? And. Um, there's a lot of money left on the table, you know, yeah. to like uh, what just happened a few weeks ago. The largest, biggest band in the world released in the last single, Then and Now, right? The Beatles. Mm, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Wow. So they, they used AI oh, again. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, to uh, clean up vocals. Uh, and uh, it was a, um, a sketch of a song that John Lennon had uh, recorded. Hmm. Um, and I, I believe it was already after the breakup, uh, I want to say, because I think uh, Yoko had the masters and she, okay. she approached uh, Paul and uh, got Ringo involved. And there's a whole song now. Yeah. Wow. Then and now that's brand new single. They put it on vinyl. They're calling it the last single, you know. So well, there there it is. Yeah, I mean, I'll go listen to that now. <laughs> it's um, I mean, it's a, it's a song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I heard it. I don't remember it, you know. But yeah. it's like, uh, you know, even even uh, you know, Yellow Submarine, you know, you know, Ringo's is better. <laughs> but it's um, uh, that that's kind of in the end, that's what it's kind of coming back to again. That's why they had the strike because people knew this is coming to come down to money that we don't have, and you know, we're tired of making forty thousand dollars and living in L.A. and that's basically starvation wages, you know, yeah, out there and. Um, so when you have the, the, the kind of the, as we saw, when they strike, it brings everything to a grinding halt, you know, like I wanted to see Dune 2 already, but no, you know, now it's pushed (laughs) back to March, you know, whatever it is. And, um, that's, that's how powerful or how much of an influence people can have, you know, and if, if we look at this as a broader analogy, I mean, this could be like a, 
you know, if, if people paid attention and looked at really what was happening, who was doing what, and I mean, these are all the people that write the stories that you never heard of and will never hear from again, you know, because uh, people don't care. Yeah. They only want, you know, the $10, $20 million star. Exactly. You know, so that, and if we look at that analogy, it just shows how much power the people really do have and everywhere, whether they're farm workers, whether they're, you know, working class, whatever they do, carpenters, garbage men, you know, how, how, how much trouble would we be in if garbage men decided to, you know, strike? Yeah. That would suck. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. You want, you want to get someone's attention like i'm not gonna pick it up yeah just pile up (laughs) crap everywhere people like you know yeah i mean and we see that i mean uh, um those are the parts for me of like dark knight rises you know people make fun of those movies and all that but i but you see that even in those movies they have garbage piled up everywhere and stuff and it's like yeah gross (laughs) disgusting you know and but those aren't the things that people talk about in those movies. They just, oh, just Keith Ledger or Heath Ledger Joker was awesome and he wasn't in it, so I hate it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but what about all the societal stuff? Yeah. About exactly. the, you know, the people revolting against the upper class. I mean, that's the more interesting part of the story. And Yeah, I agree. If you argue about those, you know, the, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy with Nolan, that's actually the most interesting story of the three of them. It's sort of the revolt of people towards the upper class and trying to even it out you know what what is the league of shadows really doing you know and if you break down that story but that's not how people frame the argument they just say bane sucked joker's cool that, that's that's what it came down to you know yeah there always seems to be a mass that mass populace that you're arguing against right i don't know but i mean you're arguing against uh people who you know <laughs> filet mignon or big mac what are they gonna have yeah, yeah, you know exactly. filet what <laughs> give me that biggie you know Give me two exactly. of those, you know. I drive by Marshalltown all the time because my sister-in-law lives out there, and that McDonald's line is always, a, there's two of them, and they're packed out at 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, yeah, most popular restaurant in Marshalltown, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what people want, you know. It, it's uh, um, if, if you saw the movie Seven, you yes. know, Morgan Freeman, his uh, Somerset, he makes, he, he's, there's a there's a moment in that where he talks to Brad Pitt's character at a bar. He goes, yeah, I, I get it. Apathy is the answer people it's easier to lose yourself to this to the you know mcdonald's and and uh the ease of life and the drink and all that than to to give a shit to care and because that hurts and i think it hurts when you care and you go through it's painful and uh you know i have a daughter now too and um i've always thought i've uh empathetic and uh um, I I was a person who I, I I try to follow the lessons of Spike Lee's "Do the Right Thing" and hell yeah, try to do that. Do the right thing sometimes mean ambiguously, uh, you know, ambiguously gray. It's not always black and white, but you always just try to do the right thing for the right person at the right time, you know. And and it's painful a lot of time. And it's when you give a shit, it hurts and it's hard, you know. And um, sometimes that means I don't get to live in California anymore. Now I live in Iowa and I work in Ankeny, but I feel like I'm. I'm doing a better thing here than I was out there. So yeah, awesome. You, you kind of, you know, it's, it kind of forms the basis of life. And when you start thinking about your life trajectory, I think in those, re- in that regard, you know, it's, you, it's sort of things start to fade away in terms of like the things that you, uh, when you were younger, you wanted or you gravitated towards so that when you get older, it's, it's like what we study in psychology. You're looking at those moments in your life when you can contribute back to society and then help the next generations. You know, you don't have to have a kid, but now that I do have a kid, now I got skin in the game. So I got to make sure that 
she's okay. Yeah. That the next future yeah. is okay. And what does that mean? It means, you know, taking care of people like the students, the next generation, you guys. I need you guys to have your head on. All right. Sorry. Um, so I guess, I guess let me just ask uh, one yeah. of the last questions. Um, so, um, you know, I was industry, um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, various like, you know, whatever like your experience moving and kind of talked about this a little bit but like i guess what's in your mind like what's your like if iowa collectively what's our path forward to like creating something you know it's some kind of industry semblance you know that resembles um <clears throat> you know what we think of when we think of media and that kind of thing yeah oh yeah good question um man that one's loaded um <laughs> that's what we do <laughs> yeah because that, that one's like um do we uh, replicate the coasts yeah or, yeah or not and uh you know i, th- I think uh, what we could do is um and we we should you know we'd never no we never should you never should do that you know we uh the the beauty of iowa and and uh and it is a beautiful state you know it's it's it is picturesque it's um um i i really enjoy it like when i move here again since i had really no um connection to this place other than that i i drove through it a few times when i was younger and um when i did I hated it. Um, I was like, I hate Iowa. I just uh, go away. <laughs> and I, I, what I realized, though, it was actually Nebraska. Because <laughs> that, that stretch of 80, yeah. oh, my God. It all blends together. Yeah. It's, it's so straight and, like, nothing. It was actually Nebraska that pissed me off for Iowa. So I can see why you guys don't like Nebraska very much. <laughs> yeah. no? Gives Iowa bad rep. No? But, you know, but all these places are they're all you know, they're all similar. They're they're kinda like one bit the Midwest, right? It's yeah, one sure. big thing. Sure. Um with fun regional rivalries is how I like to think of it because, you know, hell, I'd love to be in Minneapolis, you know. If it's good enough for Prince, it's good enough for me, you know. <laughs> but what we're finding is like like Prince made made it happen in Minneapolis, never left. I mean, yeah, he traveled, but headquarters paisley park recording he was there you know first avenue he was playing there all the time downtown um you make it happen and um when you see those moments uh, well like we had lizzo too right lizzo's part of that minneapolis sound yeah but uh wu-tang east coast snoop dogg west coast you know right there's very specific regional sure. sounds uh, uh, I think Pitbull, Flor- and all those guys are from Florida and whatnot. Mm. So it's a unique yep. sound. Austin has its own like kind of bluesy rock sound, yep. uh, like Gary Clark Jr. That kind of stuff. You know, it's fantastic music um, and and good mixing of genres, right? Um, but I think with Iowa, we have that opportunity to now to produce our own kind of thing. It seems like people out here are into rock. I mean, we had uh, we have our band. That that one band. Oh, Slipknot. Slipknot. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. You. yeah Fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know which one, yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, guys. I forget the name. <laughs> <laughs> Once good. in a while. But, uh, uh, I mean, I like metal, but I'm not really a new metal guy. <laughs> like, mm. You know, Sabbath. I'm an old guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, that stuff. Sleep, ohm. I'm into that slower kind of, you know, yeah. kind of uh, psychedelic. A little bit psychedelic, sure. but stoner metal is what they call sure, it, I sure. think. Black metal, Norwegian stuff. Hell yeah. But Slipknot, you know. Yeah, they're they're fun. Um we have opportunities um, uh, in Iowa that you necessarily wouldn't have, like in California, New York, because that narrative has been written so many times. When I was in California, one thing I noticed was a lot of movies, like Karate Kid, you know, I was watching it with fresh California eyes. I'm like, whoa, I recognize neighborhoods. A lot of these movies are actually about California. 
and it what's <laughs> you play then you start playing the game of like no bullshit they couldn't drive from that high school to that park because that's like 30 minutes on the on the 10 for you no give me a break dude not at three dude you know <laughs> then you start having those stupid I mean, me and my wife started having those conversations like, oh, my God, we're those California people now. Oh, God, it happened. You know, but uh, it, it becomes more of a game. You realize this. Um, and there's a documentary called, um, I think, L.A. Plays Itself is mm. what it's called. And uh, it's neat because it, it was fun to look at it with those California eyes. Like, oh, a lot of movies are really about California, you know. And, and it, I, you know, when I watched Chinatown originally, well, it's Polanski, Jack Nicholson, right? Um Initially, it's a crime drama. It deals with water rights. But I yeah. didn't realize it was about California and water rights. And, and watching it yeah. there, I was like, whoa, we're still dealing with that. Yeah. So showing it with... Um, I got lucky, though, because a buddy of mine had a 16-millimeter print. And and we got a chance to, on a Saturday morning, he had a record store. Uh, we, we got in before the store opened. And um, we watched. He was like, yeah, you guys come in and watch it. Because he, he was so happy that I asked him to do it. And he's like, yeah, please, you know, watch movies, sure. And so, yeah, he, he we, we did a Chinatown screening on film. That's In awesome. his store, it was just us. So I got a chance to talk through it and tell Hell us, yeah. you know. Talk, and we did it for a few of them. You know, he, he brought out like a, um, we did Apocalypse Now. We did Citizen Kane. Nice. We did Sunrise. Um, it, it was great, you know. I'm those are the things I do miss from California, just access to people like that. But um, yeah, with Iowa, though, I mean, when you watch all these things, they sort of reinforce. Like even Sunrise, um, which is um, uh, Fritz Long, I believe, um, early German expressionist film. Mm. It's uh, Sunrise very famously has scenes where they use these lamps in in in, in the Lake Arrowhead, mm. and so and again that was part of oh they're at Lake Arrowhead up in Big Bear. And there's store, and people have you go up there. People have, oh yeah, you know sunrise, especially the old people. Like, oh, let me tell you the story. <laughs> they they built the carnival over here, and I mean, they tell you where the sets were, and, and you learn all this stuff. You know, uh, one of our favorite places to go in Joshua Tree was it's called Pioneer Town, mm. out in the desert, and Pioneer Town um, is like an area where there's this bar called ha- uh, Pappy and Harriet's, and at that bar, it's like a biker bar with barbecue. Um, bluegrass music, uh, all the all the metal bands play there. The Melvins play there all the time. For example, uh, Sleep, mm. Ohm, all those stoner bands. Uh, Caius, we're nice. not Caius, but Queens of the Stone Age, like Dave Grohl. All those guys go out to this strange little biker bar out in the desert mountain, um, and it's beautiful. And behind this bar is the the set for I believe it was uh, it's either Rawhide or Stagecoach the TV show oh wow and they left it there so it's an old town like an old west town and they and they maintained it so it's like a little tourist spot so you can go out there and uh, some people are like inside the little shops like oh yeah you want to buy a trinket like some jewelry some sterling silver or turquoise or something you know and uh, it's fun you know families are out there and um that so it, with California, I mean, you just kind of see that the movie business over and over and over reinforced in like old sets and things like that. Well, and again, we don't have that here, but we have the weirdness of Field of Dreams and the fact that that exists out there. And and I mean, really, we're only known for I guess three things most people talk about. I mean, uh, the Field of Dreams, the Bridges of Madison County, corn. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, Great. That's only three things. That means we have infinite ways to yes. go, which is why Slipknot can be Slipknot. And we know, I mean, we have lots of great woods or timber, as they say out here, right? Yeah. Um, 
horror movies, man. Yeah, for real. Weird, cool horror. Goldmine. Goldmine of horror and weird stuff. I mean, the uh, Basilica murders, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there. The Axe House. I yeah. Mean, uh, I mean, that's probably a, as much um, activity as you're going to find anywhere. More, Even probably more so than the Stanley, where the people have the film of things moving, the marbles and stuff, right? Sure, sure. That's like severely haunted, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's here, but nobody knows about it. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's that's what gets me excited about being in Iowa is this place is uncharted territory in that regard. There's nothing but opportunity. I agree. The narrative hasn't fully been written. I mean, and if, even if the narrative has been written, it's very superficial. Yeah. Corn, who cares? We can do so much more. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much more opportunity, which is why Slipknot, I think, exploded and was able to do what they did, too. You know, because they, they really... If someone told them, like, well, you know, you're not in New York, L.A., or even Omaha, or Chicago, you know, like, yeah, good. You know, <laughs> exactly. we can do our own thing. And it's that, what they came up with, I mean, could be sort of an aspect of representation. Because we do have a lot of people into, really like, weird horror stuff out oh, here. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. It's, like, the fact that, you know, this is the place of American Gothic, Grant Wood. This something sinister hiding behind the lines or behind, what's really behind that farmhouse <laughs> and those people's faces and why is she looking at him all creepily you know yeah exactly. in that grantwood painting you know so um there's there's a lot that we still can do i agree we just have gotten used to shitting on this place literally because that's all we do that's all i mean the media does it everybody does it uh i went to go see Werner herzog talk uh, a couple weeks ago at the um um was it the Refocus Film Festival up in Iowa City? Mm. So that happened just just a few weeks ago. Okay. And uh, the, um, the fascinating thing is, uh, Werner Herzog was in Iowa City. He was doing a, a book tour. Mm. He went to five cities, like literally it was L.A., Hollywood, San Francisco, Boston, um, maybe Chicago or New York, Iowa City. That's wild. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, he went across and he's like, I love it here. He's like, I love it here. You know, it's fantastic, <laughs> you know. And, and it, it was great. Um, and he says, you know, this is the heartland. And, and, and uh, he tells stories like, I, I didn't realize that Herzog had spent time in the Midwest, but he yeah. had spent time in Wisconsin. He had been in Pittsburgh. He's, he's traveled the U.S. and actually hung out. And he wow. says that you got to go to the heartland. You know, I meet people all the time from the coast and, and you know, they call you guys the flyover states. And they go, yeah, but have you ever been to Des Moines? Have you been to, you know, like uh, um, um, Gary, Indiana, you know, something, or Pontiac, Michigan, whatever. Have you really spent time there and, and met those people? Because those are the people really running, you know, that are yeah. at the heart of this country. And, and like he says, you know, he said, you know, you guys are undereducated, underrepresented, and um, you just fed terrible food sometimes, but you're just kind of <laughs> overlooked. Yeah. You just kind of keep you guys busy. Yeah. You know, but uh, this is also the place where, you know, weird, um, you know, uh, p different corporations use us also as a place to test out new product. Yep. So there's something to be said about this place. And um, we are, um, I mean, we have nowhere to go but up, honestly, I think. I agree. And so we, we have opportunity. Um, that's why I'm excited to be here. And, and really for our industry, you know, I, you know, how... We're doing the production program and uh, DMAC, you know, we're kind of, we're trying to uh, innovate, evolve, and, and stay ahead of the curve a little bit to make sure that we're 
at, uh, you know, we want to stay competitive, but it, maybe, you know, hey, let's be leaders too. We can do that. You yeah, know? I agree. I, I think Iowa has so much potential. Um, yeah. it, like you said, there's a, there's only going up. Um, let me ask you just kind of a basic question, kind of the thing I ask everyone involved in film. Uh, you know, what are some of your favorites? I mean, you kind of listed um, a couple films there, but do you, I mean, you, I know you probably have your list of directors and whatnot that you really aspire to. So what, what is it? Get into it. Yeah, let's see. <clears throat> let's see. We talk about it in class. I mean, a lot sure. of the people we talk about in class, you know, um, the standard guys from the 70s, you know, the, the, we, we go there. But um, um, also the foreign stuff. And that's uh, that's what I'd like to encourage, the, you know, people to look at. Yeah. Look at the Egmar Bergman. Look at the Jean Renoir. Look at the... Um, Jean-Luc Godard, look at the Francois Truffaut, look at the Akira Kurosawa. I mean, Kurosawa is easy. Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, Sanjuro, all those great samurai movies that are super fun. I yeah. mean, anybody can get into those. Um, and then watch Yashuhiro Ozu. And mm-hmm. Ozu is, like I was telling uh, the class just last week, when you're younger, you love Kurosawa because it's swashbuckling samurais fighting. And then when you get older, you're like, ooh, but Ozu was contemplative and about drama and the the blocking and the compositions are just impeccable and beautiful and you kind of start with Kurosawa and you end with Ozu you know later in life um Tarkovsky the Russian filmmaker one of the one of my favorites right the only guy really to talk shit about Kubrick (laughs) you know really say yeah 2001 (laughs) sucked you know I didn't know that yeah he's like nah that's why he made Solaris Oh yeah, or Solaris. Solaris. <laughs> you know, he d- then he says, "I'm going to make my own. See, I'm going to show you how to do it." Interesting. You know, and then people are like, "Well, okay." He goes, "Oh, I got another one for it." Then he does Stalker, and you're like, "Okay, that was a mic drop." Yeah. You know, whoa, <laughs> Stalker uh, was crazy. Yeah, Stalker's just on another level and killed him. Right? That's the movie that yeah. famously mm-hmm. gave him the the exposure to where they were, gave him the cancer that, yep. that killed him. They say so. I don't know if we have any other filmmakers that have done that. <laughs> so. I mean, you got to respect Tarkovsky, you know, and, and that's a good deep dive. Um, and we see his influence, especially in the Mexican guys, um, Cuadón, uh, Iñárritu, and to an extent Del Toro, you know, in movies like The Revenant and Roma mm. and Birdman. Um, oh, yeah. All those great, great films. Um, and, uh, of course, Children of Men, which to me, criminally underrated. And oh, I agree. No I one's agree. seen it. And it just makes me sick. It does. And, um, what I love, too, is playing the soundtrack to people for that one. <laughs> and uh, when they hear it, they're like, what's this opera? And I'm like, no, it's a science fiction dystopian movie. Because uh, he commissioned, I think, it, I forget the British um, writer and uh, chamber music person. to. He basically commissioned an opera for a science fiction movie for children and men. And go back and listen to it. It's beautiful. Wow. It's arias. It's like he, it's based on poetry and aria. And it's like, whoa, it's, his, it's gorgeous. And to think about that tied to that really gritty hard movie yeah it's like whoa that's pretty brilliant that movie has like one of the best wonders of all time yeah in my opinion like that 10 minute sequence where they're in the battlefield it's like that's call comparable. of duty that's call of duty that's, yeah that's modern warfare i mean and that's you could tell oh this guy games because <laughs> that looks like modern warfare and he i mean that's the best game adaptation to <laughs> me of all time i mean it's better than any game it's better than super mario brothers movie you know as a as a game adaptation you know it's phenomenal and what's even better too is during that scene he uses uh that famous music from uh that polish guy Pederatsky, i think is his name but uh the threnity for the victims of hiroshima 
Mm. Oh yes, that, yes. The Threnody, which is very, uh, you hear it in many movies these days. It's um, in The Shining, right? It's in The Shining yep. too, and it's in uh, that movie and uh, Children of Men, and um, mm. David Lynch uses it too in Twin Peaks. Mm, I need so. to see Twin Peaks. You know, I think uh, my orchestra actually played that one time. It's a good tune, man. Yeah, yeah. Battlementi uh, passed away last year uh, or this R. summer. Yeah, pretty su- very recently, and, and David Lynch to go online. And David Lynch is another guy that <gasps> oh, we talked right. about. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And Lynch is another guy we talk about because it's, yeah, again, like we say in class, you don't got to love the work. It's just, is it successful at what they set out to do? And is it at least interesting, you know? And yeah. That's that's kind of what we want to go for, you know? And people, if you want to make money, yeah, go do Star Wars, do Marvel, do a, do a FNAF, Five Nights Freddy, right? <laughs> As it's affectionately called in our, right now, to the chagrin of some of our students. Oh, I'm yeah. sick of that movie. Yeah, I mean, people. Well, I mean, looking back in time in history, people forget like what the kind of risk that people took making those great movies. Like, like we were talking about before, uh, Apocalypse Now. That was a huge risk, and it's one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, I, it sounds like, it, or not, it sounds like it feels like people don't necessarily do that as much anymore. And that's kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's Hollywood is uh, risk averse. Uh, yes. I mean, we see it with Disney. Mm-hmm. They green light all the safe stuff. Um, that's why. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad people are into horror because that's where things usually are interesting and people try things. Uh, yeah, I agree. And why? Because the budgets are lower. Mm-hmm. And and they know, uh, you know, the studios know, we can greenlight this experimental weird thing like Skinamarink. Whether you like it or not, I'm glad it exists because it's a weird, you know, hour and a half movie yeah. where nothing happens almost you know and you know like the whole thing the guy went back to grandma's house and made a movie (laughs) you know and it's like okay you know but hey he tried something different and unique that was not a marvel that was not a kaleidoscopic nightmare (laughs) i agree i agree i think if you look back you know the 2010s like at the movies that really um you know really were redefining most of them are horror you know like ari aster uh is it Robert Eagers, right? Yeah, Eggers. Yeah, Eggers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I like I like that guy a lot. Yeah, yeah. His stuff's uh, it's pretty great. You know, I mean, I'm into it. I love watching his stuff. You it's know? fucking awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's good sound. Everything. I mean, he's. What's great about him too is, I kind of look at them, in in terms of their technique. Because mm. what you'll see with a lot of the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff and like Five Nights at Freddy's, you you mentioned it. Wonders. Do these filmmakers have the patience to understand how to block a scene to tell a story instead of just letting, you know, exposition roll out the mouth of their character because they don't <laughs> yeah. know how to tell a story? Yeah. When you look at a Kurosawa movie, they're telling the story visually. Hitchcock yeah. telling the story visually. Exactly. Spielberg, the king of the wonder, tells the story visually. That's why they are who they are. You know, Flowers of the, um, or Killers of the Flower Moon. Scorsese. I need to see that. I need to see it lets the scene play out as long as it needs to you know yeah. with his um with to me the greatest editor of all time Thelma Schumacher you know um and she even says you know yeah but I listen to Marty but he wouldn't be who he is without her you know without the editor and sure they know with an editor I mean it's it's like music you know you figure out those rhythms and you just let let the tone play like let this note linger let it linger let it linger and now we change it you know and it's I kind of like uh, my favorite filmmakers, they know how to keep a long shot. I mean, Mm. I think if we think about them, they're the ones that know how to pace it out. You know, your Paul Thomas Anderson's with like Boogie Nights or Master or There Will Be Blood, you know. Yeah. 
another they, genius. They get those shots. Um, Jonathan Glazer's movie, um, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson oh, as the alien. Severely underrated movie as another well. Another one. Yeah. That, to me, that's like that's a lost Kubrick film almost. <laughs> yeah, it I almost know. is. It's yeah. it's an amazing movie. And it's like, have you seen it? Like, no. Nah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's always crickets. Like, God, you guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can only hope. Uh, final question before we wrap this up. Uh, what is your piece of advice to uh, up-and-coming filmmakers, people that are going into media, etc.? Yeah, you know, um, integrity. You know, stay true to your story. Follow your gut. Um, your movies suck when you start. Yeah, They do. Yeah. Um, they only get better with practice. There's no such thing as an innate filmmaker. You, uh, you do it because you love it, and you stay with it because you love it. And when it fails, you still love it. You know, when it hurts you, you still love it. Like I said, it's like caring. You know, it's going to hurt you and you're going to be terrible and you're going to fail a lot. And in our industry, you know, we have failures all the time. I mean, you know, our, the podcast, <laughs> print out of batteries. I mean, this industry is all about um, figuring out solutions to the problems when they come up. And the yeah. people who succeed are the ones that can come up with those solutions. They're the ones that are going to be recommended for other jobs. They're going to get jobs. How do you come up with those solutions? Do the work, do the work, do the work. Just keep doing the work. Show up, do the work. It's like, you know, we say that in class. Show up early, leave late. Be the first one there. <laughs> first to get, last to leave. You know, uh, just always work. Uh, be obsessed. Read the theory. Watch the films. Make the movies, you know, and just keep, and then repeat. And just keep doing it. Never stop reading. Never stop listening to music. Challenge yourself. Read outside of your favorite things. Don't read another comic book. Read, um, you know, read War and Peace. <laughs> Try it, you know. Um, it's funny because uh, I've been in I've been in Iowa like three years, and uh, it's taken me three years to read one book. <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, when I finished it, huh. an hour before you got here. <laughs> <laughs> what book? Dune Heretics, <laughs> or Heretics of Dune. Never heard of it. Who, yeah. Who's it by? Uh, Frank Herbert, the guy who wrote oh, Dune. It's oh, Dune. Yeah. Okay. So it's the fifth one. Oh, I yeah, see. The fifth okay. book in the series. And um, man, it was a slog. It, for me, yeah, it was. I'm it was sure. Just, it was just hard because of the characters and just busy life and everything. And, and I quit it and I kept coming back to it and I yeah. kept coming back to it. And these last two weeks, I just made myself read every day. And I just got through it and I, and I finished it finally. And um, like today, I was like, I'm going to read it this morning. These last week, I've read like every day, just like, I'm going to finish it this week. That was my goal, and I, and I did it today, you know? That's awesome. Um, but never stop reading. Um, listen to opera. Read poetry. Challenge yourself. That's the only way you grow as a human being is when Agreed. you're challenged, when you don't know, and then you do know. You know, um, another, another um, quick story. This semester, we had a problem with our schedule, which uh, meant that I had to teach the color class, which I had not planned on doing. And I found that out about two weeks before the semester was starting. <laughs> so I hadn't taught DaVinci Resolve in several years. I was going to do it last year, but even I was still like, oh, you know what? I'm still trying to get my feet under me sure, in sure. terms of program and I and everything. So I'd rather not. I wanted to do things that it was familiar with for me. And, sure. and this year, interestingly enough, I had plans to do other things with, with sound and music. So I initially didn't want to do this, but um, I was like, well, fine, I'll do it. It took me two days. I was like, because I know what I have to do because I'm going to do a deep dive in Resolve. It's basically going to change all my plans. So what I want to do this year, that's next year now. 
So uh, that was my initial, like, I don't want to do it because I had plans. Sure. But again, like John Lennon said, life's what happens when you're making plans, you know? And <laughs> so it, I just, let's do it. I delve in, and um, which has now inspired me to rethink our program. And, uh, you know, we're going to, maybe I can announce it here on your yeah, podcast, go but go we're going to, um, we're looking at pushing media management and DIT. Nice. And so we want a, that heavy production, post-production workflow. And um, I just put in a new editing bay in room 10 and we have DaVinci color panels and a speed Ooh, cutter in there now. That's awesome. So I'd invite you to come down sometime and I'll show you around. Yeah, yeah. I'll show that'd you be the awesome. new digs. Um, but uh, that's what I want to do is I really want to double down on DaVinci Resolve more um not just because you know the youtube algorithm shows that we should because uh, <laughs> it'll get me more hits i don't care you know it's because it's free and yeah. it's um and it works it's a great software that's across <laughs> pc mac and linux it makes sense why sh you know i don't want to teach you guys premiere and then you graduate and then you got to pay your you're basically tethered to a 60 dollar a month subscription the rest of your life <laughs> you know resolve is free yeah and uh, when you're ready to make the professional or get the studio version, it's 300 bucks one time. <laughs> yeah. And then it's yours. So I, I like that business model. I like the fact that you buy their camera, they'll give you the software. You buy a panel, they'll give you the software. It's kind of <laughs> like following the Apple model a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But Resolve is a very, very um, competent and very um, respectable editor. Um, and within Resolve, you have a motion graphics editor. Fusion, which just replaces After Effects, and Fairlight, which can replace Audition. Hmm. And it also has MIDI support. So, I mean, there's all wow. within one application. That's insane. All within one application. And the best part, right? Some of you know it's on iPad. <laughs> you can run it on an iPad. Wow. And they made it for iPad. That's and insane. Um, this week, I just did a demo in that color class where not only does it run on iPad, because people will say, well, yeah, but you only get the cut page and you only get the color page. Um, the whole thing's in there. You just have to plug in a keyboard and enable Ooh. the shortcuts. And then the edit page is there. The media page is there. Wow. The fusion page is in there. The audio mixer is in there. That's and insane. the export page is in there. The delivery page. So it's, you can have a full motion graphic, audio manipulator, everything. Like the PC on an iPad now. It's in there. That's why it's wild. And it's going free. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> so why would we not do that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And And even if... Even if it loses um, favor or it's not in vogue, I mean, it's a very, it's a good editor. E either way, it's something that, you know, when students leave, I feel good that I'm, you know, pushing them in a direction where, you know, um, that's always the challenge. You know, I don't want you to be bound to any sort of corporation keeping money to something that may or may not work out. But, you know, with this opportunity or this direction, it, it can. And it, it, I feel good that, you will now have a tool that you can use that it's not going to, you know, kill your budget. Yeah. You know, that will help you be an entrepreneur because that's another opportunity we have here is uh, with Iowa is um, we teach those uh, professional film techniques and set techniques, but you can apply that to entrepreneurship. So, mm -hmm. you know, this way, when you come out of this program, <laughs> you have, you know, the you can become an entrepreneur, you can get a job. As a, at a commercial company or you can work on a set and you know all of those things so we want to make sure you're prepared for that and uh, and what I like about media management is it's a job you can do anywhere you know people could send you footage from Minneapolis they could send you stuff from Brooklyn California whatever edit it here organize it here ship it back you know so 
Oh yeah. Well, hey man, it's been a fucking pleasure having you on. Um, cool. Never yep. had chickens on a podcast, so that's a, there you go. that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, is there anything you want to tell the people before we wrap up? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any projects or anything like on the side they want to plug or? No, I mean, I'll, um, you know, uh, I always tell you guys, ABC always be cutting. You know, <laughs> you know, always because so like, but right, I'm, I don't have anything major right now. We did have a couple projects that we put on the back burner, but uh, I'm, I mean, I'm just editing right now home movies on my on the pad to learn oh, the software better but nice. um i am going to put it online okay and just like for fun and it's probably going to be a feature length home movie because <laughs> it's going to be my um i went to norway this summer okay and um i film i used my phone to film it and um i put a uh, anamorphic lens on some shots so we got some oh, really nice cool, i got some really beautiful shots but i'll be editing and resolve and i'll put it on uh <laughs> YouTube, hopefully, by uh, the holiday is my goal <laughs> if I don't get delayed but because um, it, it's a lot longer than I thought it would be. But uh, that's it, you know. I mean, it's more fun than anything else. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, I, I really love what you do at DMAC. I love the program that you have. Thank you. Thank um, you. You know, I think anyone who wants to, you know, kind of dip their toes in it, I think that's a great place to start. So. Highly recommend it. Uh, guys, Stars podcast every Monday at 7 p.m. We got a website, MacAllStars.com. We got a Patreon where you can find exclusive content. And you can find us basically everywhere. We got other podcasts. Check us out. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Peace.